Let's pray. Jesus, we just thank you for what you've done for us. God, revealing yourself to us, Lord. We just thank you for bringing us together as a body. God, I just thank you for all the blessings you've given me personally and to every person here, God. And I just pray, God, that you, God, impart these things, God, into our hearts and minds. God, that they be, become, become part of us, Lord. That you'd do that uh, work in us, Jesus, that you intend to do. God, we just commit ourselves to you and just ask you to do these things together. God, we agree. I just want to hear from you today and we just ask you to, to speak clearly to us. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's go to Ephesians 2.8. I'm just going to touch there and then go somewhere else. So he said, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is a gift of God. And we know that, we quote it, and it's, but there's a dynamic that the Spirit of God does in our lives to, to bring that to pass. And, uh, we don't need to look to ourselves for that, um, depth or that, that faith. We need to look towards Him. And I think when we do that and we see Him for who He is, that's what begins to convey that faith to us. That is what begins to convey to us how we can trust Him. And, uh, but he, but he says, he takes ownership of that. He says that he does it in us. And we just need to, we need to trust in that. We need to rely on that. And if we don't see it, then obviously he's who we would ask for that. So, uh, <clears throat> let's look a little bit about how he does that. Let's go to chapter one, verse nine. And there's, so there's these things that he that he does inside of us that that convey these things to us. Verse nine he says, having made known unto us the mystery of his of his will, according to his good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself. So he keeps drawing it to what he did, and that's that's where we have faith. I remember one time I think Hannah was talking to Josh and and explaining to him that he needed to be born again, and he finally just he was flustered. He just said, I I don't even know what. That means I don't know what I need to do. It was, year, it was years ago, and I don't think all that's been fully done in him. He's, he's so young, but but that that was became his frustration. I said, "Oh, oh, oh, come on, come on!" I said, "Let's go downstairs," because he was upstairs and he was just changing the whole scenery. And I said, "You need to trust God. It's not something inside you." So we went down and we just went through like the first couple chapters of Colossians and I just pointed out to him how over and over again, it's like God did this, God did this, God did this. Just, that's the first two chapters. It just conveys everything God did for us to bring about salvation. I said, this is where it rests, Josh. Salvation is through Christ. It's through what he did. So, and he, you could just see it. it fortunately, it just lifted that, that turmoil that had kind of pulled on, you know, piled onto him, had, had lifted off. But that's what God does. He, he points those things out about himself, and then that's how we're able to, to let that faith then commit towards him and commit upon him, and then we, we act on that. Let's look to it, verse 18. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. That enlightening is what he does. You know, we're his workmanship. He's going to do those things inside of us, but as we 
As we hunger, we want to look towards him. We need to respond to those things that he stirs up inside of us is, is our part of that. When we feel that uh, stirring, we want to pay attention because he did, say, he did say that he would talk to us. He would communicate with us. So, and he does it in our hearts. He does it, you know, at the heart's door. So that's kind of our obligation. Our part in that is to, to pay attention to those things that he's acting upon us and then also then to, to then get to know him because he's revealed himself in the word. So let's go real quick to John 20, verse 11. I'll give you some examples of this. Hi. So when he, when he came on the earth and, and walked in the flesh... He was that manifestation of God. And so we see those things. He still does those things now, but he does them in the spirit. Um, but I love the, the Gospels and how it just points out all these things that he did and how he responded to, to situations. Um, verse 11 says, but Mary stood without the sepulcher. That's a hard word to say. We don't say it much. Hard for me to say. Weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher and see two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, or had thus said, she returned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus, you know, because he looked different. He was beginning to convey to the disciples that he'd walked with that I'm, I had that form, but, but I'm a spirit. God's a spirit. And he's, he's beginning to replace then this, this trust they had in him in the flesh to, to that relationship that he built through those, those times with them. <clears throat> Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? And she, supposing him to be the gardener, said unto him, Sir, if thou hast borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will, make, I will take him away. And Jesus saith unto her, Mary. And she turned herself, and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. And I can't ever read that without being encouraged. It always, whenever I read that, it's, it's one of those things in the Bible that just like, just touches me every time. Because he saw how urgent her need was at the time, how she was just breaking inside. And he's like, he, he wasn't even ready to be seen. He, he said, don't touch me, I haven't ascended to the Father. But he was there because he was meeting that need. And that's, that's, one of the, that's what he does to us. That's, that's how we can trust, is because he, does the, he comes through in those times of need for us. Um, Verse 17, Jesus said unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren, and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father, and your Father, and to my God, and to your God. And so he knew that they had a need. They had that same urgent needs. Like, you go tell them. I've, I've resurrected. And I love how he starts conveying these things, too. When I see this, he goes, I'm going to go to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. I love that because they, they trusted that he walked with God like that. But he's, he's now he's kind of transitioning this relationship that he showed them about 
that this is your father, your God. You're going to walk the way the way I walked. It's like when when God called, you know, uh, Isaac and Jacob. He 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 said I was the God of your father, but he but he basically said you walk with me and I'll be your God. You see, that's where he was conveying. He's like, you know, this relationship your dad had. I'm offering that to you. You walk with me, and that's kind of what he's doing here. He's he's transitioning this to them. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. Um, We'll just keep reading here because there's passages down here that I wanted to get to here where I feel like it's conveying the same things that I'm talking about. Um, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And every time he, he appears to them, that's how he, how, it's, how he addresses them. Peace be unto you. And it's just so, it's so, um, I don't know. When we see him like that, I'm just touched to know that that's his first, you know, first statement to all of them in that. Because they're, 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 they're terribly worried. They're terribly scared right now. And when he had said, so, or so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side, then were the disciples were the oh, sorry. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them, and whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. And I think it's neat too because he's he's bringing this transition of being physical in front of them. And he always talked about spiritual matters, but he, he breathed on them. You know, he could have just imparted the spirit to him, but he's doing things to convey what's happening to him, too. And I think, I think it's neat that he's, he's basically teaching them about to trust what he's saying. So he, he's teaching them those things. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I see in his hands and the prints of the nails, and put my finger into the prints of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, again, his disciples were within, and Thomas was with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust into my side, and be not faithless, but believe. And see, he's he's imparting to him faith. He's he's in the physical. He's doing those things, but but like we were reading in Ephesians, he does it in the spirit now to us. But it's going to look like these things that he's done. It's going to it's going to be these things that we can trust because we, as we're paying attention to the things we've asked for, or for him to move situations in our life. As we, as we see him respond to our requests, he's putting, he's imparting to us faith. Because he said, it's a gift from God. But as we, as we see it here, you know, he's literally physically giving him that means to trust. You know, and he's going to go out and, and evangelize and talk to the whole world about, about what he's seen too. So it's important that he's on board. And, and, and his, his, the way he was feeling about it, I know, was impactful, impactful. The same way he stopped in and saw Mary, 
he knew, he knew where Thomas was at. He knew what kind of wreck he was in to, to trunk, come and address these things. Um, let's see. So I was talking to, to Beth about these things and she's like, well, and she, she quotes Hebrews 11. And I wrote it down here just so I don't have to flip to it. It says, but what about faith being the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen? So that's a great, great question. But let's, before we answer it, let's go to Mark 5. Let's go to verse 22. So he says, and behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus, by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, my little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her that she may be healed and she shall live. And Jesus went with him and much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. When she heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may be touch his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. So she'd already received her healing. She, she had that faith, and she touched him, and she was healed. But look at what Jesus did. He says, and Jesus, immediately knowing him in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? And he's going to impart to her his love. He's going to convey his love to her. But there's something else going on here that, that we're going to see as we read through him. His disciples said unto him, thou seest the multitude thronging thee and sayest thou who touched me? And he looked around about to see her that had done this thing. And the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. And while he yet spake there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house, certain which said, thy daughter is dead. Trouble thou the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. So, right as he heard that news, this is right when he was wrapping up talking to this woman that had been healed from something that she'd struggled with for 12 years. And Jesus could have just moved on because she'd already been healed, but he stopped, he conveyed his love to her, but Jairus got to see the whole thing. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and seeth the tumult, and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he said unto them, Why make ye this ado, and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn, but they had put them all out. He taketh the father and the mother of the damsel, and, and them that were with him, and entered in where the damsel was lying. 
And he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talpai Kumai, which is being interpreted, Damsel, I say unto thee, Arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of twelve years, and they were astonished with great astonishment. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it, and commanded that something should be given her to eat. So he'd, he'd imparted to Jairus faith. Jesus gave him that ability to trust that he was going to heal his daughter, where he maybe would have had it. He came to him, but it may have been too much for him to believe that he could raise her from the dead. And, and God gave it to him, gave him that ability to trust that way by giving him that basically lesson right in front of his eyes that God healed this woman by her just touching him. You know, and, and God did the same thing with the people of Israel. The first time to the promised land, they didn't go in, right? And it was because of unbelief. And they had actually just seen him tear up Egypt, but they just met him. They just learned his power like this. And as they went through the wilderness for 40 years and the young ones grew up and watched God feed him, take care of him, judge matters correctly, you know, they got to know God. And and so God was able then to give them that faith that they needed the next time to go in and to be obedient. But it takes faith sometimes for that obedience to come out of it. You you, you really have faith coming from an understanding of of the knowledge of him. And it comes about where you really get to know him, you love him, you keep his commandments, and you follow. And you learn those things as you grow in him. <clears throat> you know, Hannah at one point was asking me, it's like, well, what can I read in the Bible? Because she's been reading it the last couple of years quite a bit. And um, she goes, I don't understand a lot of it, which you would expect that she would say that if she was going to be honest about what she's reading. I just said, read in the Old Testament. And I, I said, you know, you're going to read stories. You're going to see that God's in charge and that he's all-powerful. And that's a big part of what the whole Bible conveys. But you're just you're going to see that over and over and over again. And, the, you know, that's, that's just what you're going to see. But that's what they learned um, from walking with him in the wilderness like that. And they obeyed and they went in. <coughs> Let's look at John one eighteen. No man hath seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. And that's why we see him doing these things that he's that he does in the spirit that we do receive by faith. But when we when we behold that manifestation of who God is, is what Jesus walked in was, we see him doing those things that he does in the spirit in our lives. So those those examples of him telling Thomas, you know, you touch me, you, you thrust your hand in my side and be not faithless, but believe. You see those things, how he conveyed those things, you know, right in front of them. But God does the same thing in our lives in the spirit. The same thing is based on his interaction, his reality of dealing in our lives the same way. Let's look at John 20. 
again in verse 30. And this is kind of where we, where we receive this. You know, Thomas had that experience that he had, but the very, this, the very close of this chapter, I feel like really conveys this. It really clarifies this. Many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. That's where we brush up a lot of times with God initially is through the word. And then as we, as we read these things and make application to our lives and our situations come about that we're in, we start asking him and he starts leading us that way. He starts teaching us his voice. But he does it in the spirit the same way that these guys bumped into him and he did it to them right in front of them. But he does that in our lives too, the same way. And that's, so he does a, a big part of it is through the word, what he conveys there. And then, then he does it in our lives as we draw close to him, we, we follow him. I'm just looking at my notes here. Let's see if I see anything smart that I wrote down earlier. So I know, like for me personally, um, he'd revealed quite a bit about himself to me. But I would have these times where I would have, like I'd, I'd, I'd be reflecting on God, I'd, I'd, I'd feel like his presence and stuff, but I'd, so I'd feel peace. And then I would feel dread. You know, not, not necessarily right then, but still, I just those are those conflicting type of things that I felt all the time. And that's when I really came to the point where I knew that I had to trust that he was who he said he was. So I think I was out by like, um, I think Carbondale, a friend of mine lived out in the country there and I spent a lot of time with him. We read the Bible all the time. I prayed. I, I was walking with God best I could. But that, that, those feelings would come against me like that where I'd just feel this dread. I'd feel this conflict. And eventually that's what I came to, to understand is I, I have to trust him that he is who he said he is and he can do for me what he said he would do. And guys, I think I've said this to you guys a hundred times. I felt like inside of me, it felt just kind of like that. But my whole life changed. It was really, it was a big transition place where I committed myself to him. I'd been doing it best I could. I'd been praying. I'd been reading the Bible. He'd been teaching me his word. But it came to a point where I felt that conviction. That's what that dread was, was I felt this conviction because I wasn't totally like in that place of trust. I wasn't completely wrapped up into what he could do. I was still, I guess, probably trying to do a lot of it on my own because I didn't want to fail. I didn't want those things that he warned about to come on me. But what I realized I had to do is that I had to just enter into that place of resting in what he, the work that he did on the cross. But so personally, that's how he did it with me. And that's, it's the same thing that we're, we're talking about with, with J. Iris and, and, uh, and Thomas. At that place where where he had conveyed to me those things, and I and I had to then take that step of obedience and 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 trust. It wasn't just obedience; it was a, an obedience and trust where I just committed myself to him. And we do that, you know. Um, I didn't know how much time we'd have, but there was other things that he I really felt he put on my heart. Um, let's look just a little bit to the next chapter. Um, because he he'd done this work with the disciples, and then you guys know I'll paraphrase a little bit. 
you know, Peter said he, he was going to go fishing because they, they really, they'd received the Spirit. He'd, he'd, he'd given them a commission about forgiving others. He'd been talking to them that they were going to go out. They'd actually then gone out and, and preached the kingdom for, for quite a time already. But with him being gone, they really just didn't know what to do. It had changed for them from being in the physical, seeing him physically, to him being into the spirit. So there was this transition time. And he didn't just let them just float off into, into uh, failure. He, he addressed these things and, and got them on course, which is what he does with us as well. All the time. If we're, and, and if we're listening, because sometimes we can just, we can, we can turn a deaf ear, but if we're listening and we really still have that heart to serve him, these are the things he does. I feel like that heart to serve is that key that unlocks all these things to happen though. Um, so they were fishing, um, and they didn't have any success. Um, Jesus, uh, verse four, when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said unto them, Children, have ye any meat? And they answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of your ship, and ye will find. And they cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. So therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked and did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, came in a little ship, for they were not far from the land, as it were two hundred cubits, dragging the net with fishes. And as soon as they were come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there, and the fish laid thereon and bread. And Jesus said unto them, Bring of the fishes a fish which ye have now caught. So Simon Peter went up and drew the net to the land full of great fishes, a hundred and fifty and three, for all that were so many, yet the net was not broken. But you kind of see that Peter's initial thing was he jumped out to go see Jesus, which none of us would blame him for that, but, it, but it's almost like Jesus kind of just redirected him. and was like, go get the fish. I gave you something. Go, go take care of what I gave you. And so I, I kind of feel like when, when he had imparted all these things to them, when he walked with them, what he was doing was he was basically doing the same thing. He's like, guys, I've given you these things. I put these things into your lives. Go deal with these things that I put into your lives. And so then that's how, how the conversation continues on. Um, let's see. Let's see. And Jesus said unto them, verse 12, Jesus said unto them, come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord? And Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and the fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to the disciples after that he was risen from the dead. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou more than these? And I think we've, we've talked about this, or you guys have heard this too. He, he basically said, Do you adore me? He, he used a word love that was very strong. He's like, do you adore me? And he said, and he said unto him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love you. And he used kind of a weaker word for love. It probably just because he knew how empty he felt when he failed him. He said unto him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. 
He saith unto them, Feed my sheep. He said unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, Feed my sheep. So you can see he's conveying to Peter. It's like, I've given you a job to do. And, and, and he's bringing it up over and over. He's making, he's driving this point. And, and he knows he's making him feel uncomfortable. Just questioning him the first time made him uncomfortable. And he just kept asking him. And he, and he's, he's driving something, um, to impact him kind of at the heart. Do you love me? And this is how you're going to show me. I'm going to tell you how you're going to show me. It's going to be through you feeding my sheep. And, um, and you can see that's what God does for all of us. He's basically asking his people or the church to, to walk and live like he did. And God's so gentle. I find it just so amazing how gentle God is because he, he came and he surrendered to the cross. He came and did those things. He, and he said that was what proved his love for us. Um, he said he had to because he went in the garden. He prayed and asked that it, that it would be taken away, the cup, if it could. And in Hebrews it said that he had to had to die on the cross. But I think in some place in the book of John it just said that that's what conveyed that love, that depth of love and surrender. But so you can see a lot of the things that God expects of us, he does for us. It, because he does yield to our needs. That, that surrender that he's asking from us, he does it all the time. He said that a, a man and a woman are made in his image. That, that sense of, of him giving to us and us serving him that 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 give and back you know both people giving in the relationship both you know that's it's a revelation of who he is he you know he asks us to forgive but he forgives you know that gentleness that he has he he's conveyed it and he's he's not made us do any of it but he showed us that that's what's right and it's so it, we're so blessed to have a god that is that loving that that good to us that that he wants us to just live like he lived is really what he's asking us to do, is to give that surrender to others, to give to them, and to forgive them. That's because when he, when he imparted the Spirit, that's the first thing he talked about doing, was forgiving sins. So, um, verse 18 says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walks, walk whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said, follow me. And that's what he's doing with all of us. He's, he's opening our eyes, imparting to us faith. We, we walk in this relationship with him. We learn to love him. And then he says, follow me. And that's, that's all through the Bible. You're going to see that same progression all through the Bible. You know, I went from looking at this stuff yesterday and then I thought, well, look in the book of James, the first chapter, it's like the same, it's like the same thing. And, and, you know, sometimes when God puts a message on your heart, you're going to see it every, every place you open the Bible up, you're going to see it. But he, he's just talking about love and following and, and living that life and, and following and being obedient. But, but it's, but it's what he's conveyed all through the word, but, but he has also taken ownership of, of the job. He's, he's, he's doing the work in us. But he's looking for us to have that heart to follow him and to serve him. And I think, I think, um, sometimes that's sometimes the danger that we can have 
in the church because he does fix our lives. He sets us free from the things that bind us. And we just we become so blessed with his peace because of that righteousness. But then there's times that we can we can just slowly cool down. But he also he's right there to be the one to to shake that stuff up. He doesn't just let us cool down. He he challenges it. He's like, hey, are you close to me? And then he gives us all kinds of signs um, that we can pay attention to. You know, First John, the whole thing basically, it's like a a compass or a thermometer. Are you doing well with me or not? And, and when you're not doing well with me, these are the things that you're going to see come out of you and, and, and work through you. And, and if you're wanting to honor him, wanting to stay close to him, you're going to see those things and you're going to go, I, I have to do something different. God, what is it? And then all of a sudden we're back into that place of, of dependency on him and walking close to him, and that, which is what he wanted in the first place. That's why he made us, was to walk with us. Um, but we're going to see that all all through uh, the Bible. So let me look. You know, when we get when we get off course, you know, even just the first commandment said that thou shalt have no other gods before me. That's just an important part of our walk. Keep him first, and 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 his spirit is going to help do those things. So we just have to make sure that we're paying attention and listening. And, and, and through that, he's going to just continue to do it. We can't fail. You know, not because of us, but if we're listening, he's going to talk. He's going to convey and teach those things. And then it's just up to us to surrender and do those things that he's, uh, that he's revealed to us. So I think that's it, guys. Let's pray real quick. Jesus, God, I just thank you for your word. And God, I just pray that you do impart these things to every one of us. And God, to all of our loved ones. God, we want to walk with you. We want to honor you. We want you to lead, and we want us to have a heart, God, that would follow and do exactly what you want us to do, Lord. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.